morning, everybody. It's good to be with you. Are you glad you came to church today? Man, I think the Holy Spirit's up to something. I, uh, I really appreciate the, the uh, message um, by the Spirit today. We honor the moving of the Holy Spirit and the gifting of the Spirit, and we want to always uh, despise not prophesying. The Bible says we need a fresh revelation. We need to hear from God, and I equally love the fact that Rachel, what she's shared, and that's kind of right in the wheelhouse of what we're going to be talking about today. But uh, before I do anything, I just turned around, and I just happened to see, and I beg, me, beg, I beg your pardon if I'm off, it's Nate and Tammy Lashaway. Great, I got the thumbs up. And uh, this is uh, Gary and Laura's daughter and son-in-law, and they serve in the mission field in Africa and have given their lives to serve the Lord over there. But it's great to have you with us this morning. Thanks for being here today. And uh, thanks for serving in the kingdom of God. Appreciate that so much. And then the, the other uh, thing that I wanted to share with you, last week we talked about, uh, you know, we're in this series, uh, DIY Discipleship, and Jesus said, the works that I do, you shall work, do, and greater than these, because I go to the Father. And last week we talked about the fact that Jesus was a healer, therefore, as his disciples, we are to be healers, Right? Come on, can I get a good amen out there? Well, at the end of the service, I had the opportunity to pray with Mabel and uh, right down here, and she was having trouble with her knees. By her own testimony, she walked out of here, and the pain disappeared out of her knees. And I praise God for that. Praise the Lord for what he's doing physically and in, in every way in people's lives, and, and I just praise the Lord for that. So, yeah, last week, well, Jesus said, so we're in this series, do-it-yourself discipleship, and it's based on that idea that Jesus said, the works I do, you shall do. I want you to do it yourself. Not by yourself, but I want you to do what I did by my strength and by my power, but I want you to do it. I don't want you saying, Lord, you got to do it. No, you do it. That's what the Lord's saying, right? And so that's what we've been talking about. And last week we talked about, and we've spent different things uh, in different areas over the last several weeks. Today, last week we talked about healing the sick. Today we're going to be talking about casting out demons. Jesus cast out demons. And he's our master and our Lord. And we are his disciples and we do what Jesus did. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And you might think to yourself, what does this have to do with my daily grind and my daily issues and my daily circumstances? Probably everything. We deal with the demonic way more than we understand. And so the Lord wants us to learn to walk in his victory where it concerns the demonic and to cast out demons just like he did it. And I want to take us to this uh, passage in Matthew chapter 12, and I want to begin reading at verse 22. And it says here in Matthew 12, beginning at verse 22, 
Then there was a person, a man, brought to Jesus who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? In other words, they were looking at what Jesus was doing and they were like, is this the promised Messiah? People were starting to catch on. Now it says in verse 24, when the Pharisees heard it, when they heard what the people were saying, they said, no, 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 this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought into desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? In other words, that doesn't make sense. If I'm casting out devils by the devil, how he, his reign is not going to last at all. His, his power over people will not last. It doesn't make sense. Verse 27, Jesus said, And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. Verse 28. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or, how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house? He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. So Jesus cast out demons. But then in Mark chapter 16, he said in uh, verse 17, I believe it should come up there on the screen. Jesus said, and these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. So that's the word of God. Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence here today, and we welcome uh, the insight, God, of the Spirit into the Scriptures today. I pray that we would be equipped with truth and understanding today. Father, be with us. Be with me. Help me to do what I'm about to do in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. When I was much younger, back in the late 70s, yes, the 70s, I made a huge mistake. I watched the movie, The Exorcist. And that was a huge mistake on my part. And I remember for weeks after that, I was terrified of even just walking down the hallway to go to my bedroom to try to go to sleep, and then I felt like there were demons all around my bed and under my bed, and I was always looking at my skin like it's going to turn green and crack, and anyway, it, it, was, a, it was a huge mistake, and, uh, and not just because of the immediate after effects of, of that and going to that place, but then because of what settled in my heart, that, that kind of, that terrified, being terrified kind of went away 
But, but what happened was something began to settle into my spirit concerning the demonic, a kind of fear that was there and a lack of understanding about it and about my place as a child of God where it concerns that. And I do think that there are two big obstacles in the church today where it concerns the demonic realm. First of all, there's, I think, an overwhelming or overarching kind of ignorance about the demonic in the church today. For many of us, we don't understand much about it. We don't hear a lot of teaching on it. You don't come to church on a Sunday morning expecting to talk about casting out devils for the most part, but welcome. And, uh, but there's not just a, an ignorance about it, but I think there is with that an ignorance about it. We not only don't understand it, but if we're honest, we really don't want to understand it. It's kind of like, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to kind of deal with that. I'm just trying to pay my bills. I'm just trying to have a better day today than I did yesterday. And we don't, and, and we don't really kind of figure, you know, we don't really connect the dots of how the things that we are experiencing in our life, the struggles that we have, how, how real the demonic realm is, is. And so on the one hand, there's an ignorance about it or an ignoring of it. And then on the other hand, I do think that there is a, a deep-seated unbiblical and ungodly fear that has gone on the inside of us. That where we, we, it's not that we don't believe it, that it exists, but that we, it's almost like if you don't mess with them, they won't mess with you. Everybody just calm down and just kind of process through life. Well, Jesus casted out devils church, you're going to have to do the same. He dealt with demons. You must do the same. You're his disciples. He said, this is a work that I worked. And these things you saw me do, you're going to have to do. You're going to have to step up your game and Deal with demons and not just deal with them, but take dominion over them in your life. Because far more that goes on in your marriage, your family, your finances, your children, your cities, your nations, your, your emotions, your mentality, your heart, your, phys- your physicality, far more of it is affected and influenced by the demonic realm than you will even realize. But if you have a discerning spirit, and you take on the heart of Christ, and you step into the the dominion of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to face these things, and you need to step up to it. And church, we need to start casting out devils, because we're dealing with them, and we need to take dominion over them. Because God doesn't just want you to cope, He wants you to conquer. Come on now, can I get a good amen? And so how do we do this? Well, today I want to I give you three simple ideas. And they're going to help us hopefully to be better caster-outers of the demonic. The very first thing I think, simple, simple stuff, practical stuff. This is discipleship class. 
what we're going through right now. Number one, cast out demons. It's really important that you know what you're dealing with. You gotta know your enemy. You gotta know the enemy. The Bible said, my people are perishing, my people are struggling, my people are in confusion, my people are broken down, my people are beat up for their lack of knowledge. Because they don't know what is the truth about something, then they believe the lie. And when you believe the lie, you begin to live in the lie. The lie fleshes itself out in your life because you're not fully aware of what the truth is about a thing. And one of the things that we need to understand and we really get to, need to get into our knower is that the truth about the demonic realm. And there are three simple things that I want to, under this first point, that I want to talk about. First of all, we need to know, we need to get this in our knower, that demons really do exist. This is not a figment of our imagination. This is not folklore. This is not just stuff that's been uh, perpetrated throughout societies and cast down from more what, what we might consider uncivilized mindset. Demons are a very real entity that is very much active in the earth today. They live in a spirit realm. They are spirit beings but they are real. And what the Bible seems to indicate to us is that demons are created but fallen angels who went with Lucifer in his rebellion. Lucifer, the chief of all angels at the time, rebelled against God. And the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 12 that a third of the angelic hosts left their God-given habitation and went with Satan in his rebellion and in their fallen state, these fallen angels are the demonic realm. Paul refers to them as principalities and powers in unseen places. In other words, you don't see them with the natural eye, but they manifest all around you. And the Bible also tells us that they have been given in their unseen realm and in their... Uh, in, in, according to the power that they have, they are given the charge over regions of the earth, over major cities, small cities, townships, even over churches. Let me tell you, I believe that there are demons assigned to churches. And certainly in the Bible, from the story that we read here today, that we can see that demons have been given the charge to inflict and affect people's personal lives. That there is a strategy, there is a plot of Satan, and the way that he carries that out is through the demonic realm. In other words, Satan probably doesn't know you and I exist, but he has a kingdom of demonic powers that he has sent out as his foot soldiers to carry out his strategy and his plan to Kill, steal, and to destroy. Demons are very real. They really do exist, church. And a lot of the battle that you're facing right now is a perpetration. It is, a, it is the activity of the demonic realm coming against you in accordance with Satan's plan because Satan cannot defeat God, he wants to take out as many people as he can before his time is over. He hates God, and because you belong to God, he hates you. 
And he's trying to get at God. He can't get at God, but the only way he can kind of get at him is to get you and me. In every realm of life and in every realm of living. And so we gotta, we really got to settle this issue, church. Demons really do exist. And number the, the second thing under this is demons really do possess people. Demons are tormenting spirits that seek to possess people's lives to turn them away from God's plan and purpose and highest destiny for them. And where they are given the opportunity, where a door is open to them, they will enter into a person's life, at very least to have a grip hold, to have an influence over their behavior. And in the worst case scenario, if the door is swung wide open, they will take as much control as they possibly can. They want to dominate your life. And let me just say, well, I'm a, you might be thinking to yourself, I'm a Christian. It's impossible to be possessed by a devil. And we use the terminologies, oppression, possession. And I don't know where all of that comes from, but here's what I know. That any one of us can have a demon in this way. Hear me now. Please hear me. In that, it has a strategy to get into your life and to take over and to wreak havoc, to get into your mindset, to get into your attitude, to get into your disposition, to get into your physical being in that sense. And so we need to know that the, what, what the enemy wants to do is to bring an oppressive, possessive, uh, grip on your heart. And you may not be totally overtaken by a demon, but you can be dealing with the demon ongoingly in your life. How do you like a good Sunday morning message like this? You probably, why couldn't I come here today and just hear about the love of God? And this is the love of God. He's telling you what you need to know. Demons seek to put people in bondage emotionally. If you're grappling with outbursts of wrath and anger, if, you're, if you've got hatred in your heart, bigotry in your heart, this may not just be, oh, this runs in my bloodline. This may be a demonic stronghold. Even our physicality, now I want to be very cautious and careful here. Even physically, we know, we already know from Scripture, we talked about it last week, not everybody who has a physical affliction is demon-possessed or the demons have a stronghold on them. But there are times, as in the case of this man in this passage, that his inability to speak and his inability to see was tied to demonic oppression, possession. And when Jesus dealt with the demon, the man was free, his eyes were open, and his ability to talk was clear. And so even in our physicality, sometimes we come under a physical attack, and it's not just that you contracted something from touching somebody else, it was that a demon's fiery dart broke through. 
And so we need to know this. And, and, and the mental anguish. Listen, I mean, look at the world around you. I think that we're seeing demon activity played out and manifest in the newsreels today. The anger and, and just the division that's going on, this is more than just one side against another side. There is a demonic undertow that has got a hold on the spirit of society today. And don't think it doesn't affect us. I'm not trying to put you in fear. I'm going to get to the good stuff in a minute. we got to know this, though. we got to know our enemy. So we know that they really do exist, and we know that they really do possess people, and that is they can get a grip hold on a person's life. And then we need to know, though, and this is some of the fun part, that Jesus really does deliver people from demonic bondage. Hallelujah. Come on, can I get a good amen out there? So they exist, they do possess people, but listen, they have no power against the Lord Jesus Christ. And right here in this passage, when they brought that man to Jesus, Jesus cast out that demon, that man was able to speak, he was able to see, he was set free. And I love how Jesus went on in that passage because after they accused him of casting out the devils by the devil, he said, that doesn't make sense. And then he did this little parable. He says, how can a man plunder a, a, a person's goods unless he bind the strong man? And so the strong man in that parable is the devil. And he says, when I bound Satan, then I plundered his goods. You know what the goods were? the blind man that was held captive by demons. Jesus said, I came to get the goods. And the goods are the people. I've come to set people free. Praise God. I've come to liberate people from bondage. What did, what did Jesus say at the outset of his life? I have come to set the captive free. Hallelujah. And that's what he's up to. But let me just tell you, there's a little twist on this point. Jesus does deliver from demonic bondage. When he was on the earth, we were watching him do it. Person after person after person, situation after situation. But Jesus isn't on the earth today. But you are. You're here. The way Jesus sets the captive free today the way Jesus liberates people from demonic bondage is you and me. And not just me, because I get paid. Everybody in the room who is a blood-bought child of God has the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. He does it through you and me. Praise God. And you need to know that. Come on, you need to know that. Don't forget that. So if we're going to cast out demons, point number one, know your enemy. Point number two, personally walk in victory. Now listen, it's, you're not going to have the courage to deal with the demonic realm if you're not kind of, let me say it this way, if you're not dealing with your own demons, so to speak. Amen. Are you with me out there? There's a lot of people. You're a child of God. There's no doubt about it. You belong to the Lord. But you got some things, some issues in your life that maybe you're ignoring. 
you're not dealing with, or maybe you kinda, you're just kind of sweeping under the rug. And, it's gonna, and, and, and when you're not dealing with these issues of stronghold in your life, then you're not going to feel confident. You're not going to feel courageous. You're not going to feel like you can deal with things around you in society and in your family and whatever. Well, because I got my own stuff. Well, listen, none of us are perfect. All of us fall short. But every one of us are in process. And so long as we are moving forward and walking out the victory of Jesus in our lives, we can step up to our role and do what Jesus told us to do. Nobody in the room has it all together all the time, but every one of us in the room who truly belong to Jesus have all the authority and all the power and all the grace of Jesus in us at all times. And so even if I'm not perfect, I don't have to cower in fear like I'm not prepared to do it. If I'm constantly dealing with those issues in my heart, I am authorized to do it. Amen. Amen. It's, it's important that we get this. But we do need to walk in victory. We need to walk out the victory. Let me just say, yeah, I would, that's a better way of saying it, I believe. Walk out the victory that Jesus already won for you. And there's a way to do it. But I, one, of my, one of my favorite persons in the whole world is Jack Hayford. And Jack Hayford said this, you can't cast out the flesh and you can't disciple a demon. Listen, your flesh, your flesh is always with you. Paul said the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. You can't cast out your flesh but here's another important point. You can't disciple a demon. See, some of us are trying to fix our problems by not really addressing the core issue of what we're struggling with. We're trying to, as it were, make the demon behave. You can't disciple a demon. There's only one thing you can do with it. Cast it out. Amen. Well, I'm just really trying. I'm, I'm really working on my problems. That's your problem. So how do we do this? How do we walk out the victory? I want to I get real fundamental with you. First thing has to do with relationship. You cannot walk in the victory if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Anyone who is not saved is still in darkness and under the sway of the wicked one. You cannot get power over demonic things affecting your life and essentially get the victory if, first of all, you have not been born again. Because 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, says these words. You are of God, little children. and You have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. How do I overcome? How, is, how, how, does that, how do I get the victory in my life? Only by the one greater than living in you. And you think, well, I know about Christianity and I know about Jesus and, and you know, 
and you know, I, I know all that kind of stuff, but listen, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, if you haven't been born again, you're still under the domination of the kingdom of darkness. Amen. Come on, smile at me out there. You need to get born again. You need to get saved, and you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. There were seven sons of Sceva in the book of Acts who went around trying to exercise demons, and one day they showed up and they tried to cast out a demon of a man, and they said, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, come out. And the demon said, well, Jesus we know, and Paul we've heard about, but who are you? And the Bible said the demon jumped all over those seven sons of a high priest named Sceva, ripped them to shreds, tore off their clothes, and they ran down the street naked. They had no power. Why? Because they had no relationship. They were trying to cast out a demon just using Jesus' name, Jesus' ideas, Jesus' concepts, but they didn't have any real relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you have no personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you have no power over the devil. If you want to walk in victory, get saved. And you can do that today. Amen. Here's the other thing. If you want to walk in victory, it's going to re take repentance. And you know what we teach around here, because it's right out of the Bible, we only teach what the Bible says. Well, we hope to anyway. I think I do. Um, repentance means to change the mind, right? Repentance means to change your mind. So repentance isn't a one-time act. Oh, I repented year, 25 years ago and I gave my life to the Lord. No, that, that was one act. That was one step of repentance. Every day, every day is a day of repentance. Every day I open my Bible and read it. I have to make a choice. Am I going to believe this or am I going to defy this? Am I going to obey this or am I going to say, yes, Lord, let this be? And every time I say yes, that's repentance. And so if I'm going to have power over the enemy, not only do I need a relationship with Jesus, but I need to walk in repentance because repentance mean to, means to pursue a complete makeover from the inside out. It starts in the way that I think, and then it fleshes itself out in my life. Because John said, we need to bear fruit unto repentance. In other words, true, true genuine repentance starts here, but it manifests in choices and decisions, in the way I think, in the way I behave, and how I deal with my problems and my, even my personal weaknesses. So what I do every day of my life in repentance, in God's word and in prayer, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm, when I'm reading the truth, I'm flushing out in my soul the lies so that I can flesh out the truth that's on the inside of me. It's a flush and a flesh. Amen. And you know, some of us, we need a good flushing. Amen. Come on. 
Hang with me. Come on. Are you with me out there? Are we going anywhere with this today? So, but what starts in the mind has to have its outworking in our life, bearing fruit unto repentance. This is how I walk in victory, how I'm able to have power over the demonic realm. And God changed, God changed your nature when you got saved. He put within you and you became a partaker of the divine nature. Did you know that? That's in the Bible. You have the divine nature on the inside of you, but if you're honest, your character isn't fully developed. And that's what the Lord is doing in our lives, and, he, and we have to work with him. I love what Paul said in Philippians chapter 2. He said that we're to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Notice that word, work out. Everybody say work out. Are you working out every day? Are you working out every day? Come on, are you working out? He said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And then he says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So repentance is me changing my mind, but also me stepping into that change of mind and working with God's working. So he saved me. I'm going to work out my salvation by working with what God is doing in me and bringing correction where correction needs to happen and bringing alignment where that needs to happen. Which brings me then to this third idea under walking in victory. It not only takes relationship, repentance, but it also takes resistance. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. How many of you love that scripture? Come on, do you love that scripture? Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Great, all I have to do is resist the devil, and he will flee. Wait, hold on. What's it start? How does it start? Submit to God. See, some of us get scared like I was when I was a young teenager after watching The Exorcist. Oh, God. I just resist the devil. I resist the devil. God's like, Actually, what you need to do is submit to me. When you rightly align your wayward heart to me and stop believing the lies and you start believing what I'm telling you and you start walking out who I've made you to be and you submit your all to me and you don't play footsies with the devil and you don't mess around and you're not here and there and one foot over here and one foot over there, but you're kind of all in. You're completely and totally and fully submitted. In that activity, in that action of true submission to God, going all the way with Jesus, automatic resistance of the evil one. When you align your soul and your spirit with God's will, His word, His ways, that's the power of resistance. Satan can't handle it. He can't touch you. Right? I mean, yeah, he, can, he attacks all of that, but when we are constantly aligning ourselves with God, Satan, it says, James said, he flees. He flees. Amen. So, 
Paul said in another place, neither give place to the devil. So how, how does this how does this submission to God, how, how do I submit myself to God, not giving place to the devil? Paul warned Christians in the book of 2 Timothy to beware of doctrines of demons. When he said doctrines of demons, what he is saying is that there are perpetrated, even within the church, things that are not of God. They're demonically inspired. Are you guys doing okay today? We're, we're, in the, we're in the precarious places right now. We're, we're talking about real stuff that affects us. Doctrines of demons, I, man, I, I think I want to deal with that someday. I've never really dealt with that in a, in a message or in a teaching, but I, I'm sure I'm not going to exhaust it. But let me give you, this, let me give you the bookends or the, the extremes of the doctrines of demons. On the one hand, and in the passage that Paul said that, Doctrines of demons are people who are legalistic in their teaching and try to get you to uh, jump through a bunch of hoops to do a bunch of things in order to curry God's favor. That's a doctrine of demon because what the demon wants you to believe is that the only way you can please God is if you do it this way, this way, this way, and this way. And, if, and then, and here's the thing, they, the, the, the teaching is do it like this and that God will be pleased with you. And then when you screw up, the demon will turn around and say, you're a loser. How come you couldn't hold it together? That's a doctrine of demon, right? And listen, this kind of stuff is taught. I have probably at times in my life been guilty of being a mouthpiece for something like that. Then the other extreme, and I'm just talking about the extremes, there's probably other things in this, but the other extreme is over here where a doctrine of demon might be, listen, it doesn't really matter what you do and the choices you make and the lifestyle you live because God is love and you know, he really doesn't care that much. Just, just be a good person, generally speaking. And you're good. God's not going to hold you accountable. Nothing's, you know, bad. You know, licentiousness. You can live how you want. You can live with who you want. You can change your sex if you want to. You can do whatever because God is love. God is love. He's just love. And it doesn't matter to him. It's a doctrine of demon. Between. We've got to resist this stuff. We've got to, and I'm talking about first and foremost, from within. <laughs> Are you with me out there? So, if we're going to cast out demons... We've got to know the enemy. We've got to walk in personal victory, as it were, dealing with our own demons, so to speak. Okay? I'm not saying you're demon-possessed. But we need to deal with it. And then the final thing. Then we take authority. As we're doing these things, as we're knowing the enemy, as we're walking in the victory, we should also at the same time be taking the authority. Taking the authority. Everybody say, take the authority. Jesus said in Matthew 28, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. 
I have it all. I want it all. Aren't you glad that Jesus won back the authority of heaven and earth? And you say, man, I'm really glad he did, but oh, I wish it was a lot better down here. And Jesus is like, yeah, I left you here to do something with this. Oh, no, Lord, just come back and take care of everything. You know, just, just wipe it all out, God, and let's, just, let's do this whole thing of starting over now, Lord. Like, ah. like Daniel said earlier, it's like God does suddenly he's really slow. That was a good word. Jesus said, I've been given authority. But look at this, what he said in Luke chapter 10, verse 19. He says, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and on scorpions and over all the power, not half the power, not a third of the power, not, not power, Sunday morning power, I, all the power of the enemy. And nothing by any means shall hurt you. If we're going to take the authority in a demonic situation, we need to operate in the power that Christ has given us. Now, in one sense, Satan is more powerful than me. Hear me out on this. Humanly speaking, just humanly speaking, Satan has more power than me, but he does, he does not have more power than God. But now that I'm in Christ, and Christ or God is in me, now he does not, he does not have more power than me. It's not your power. It's the power of Christ in you. It's not your authority, it's the authority of Jesus in you. And so if we're going to take the authority, we need to, first of all, be confident in who we are. Be confident. Everybody say, be confident. You really need to start <laughs> because I'm such a kind of a prone to negativity and melancholy. I see the glass half empty. Katie sees it half full. I see it half empty. Sometimes I lack confidence. But we really do need to step up and to be confident in who we are. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Paul says, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Look at that. God is able, right? Anybody here doubt that God is able? Nobody would doubt that, right? God is able. God can do whatever he wants. But notice where his ability is. The power working in us. I should have got at least two more amens out of that one. <laughs> I was thinking of this, this confidence. It comes from an identity. It comes from knowing who you are, like in Christ. Am I perfect? 
Not, not always. Do I fall short? Yeah, I fall short. Let's be honest. We all kind of mess up, right? But we are blood-bought. We are made righteous through faith in Jesus Christ, not because I didn't fall down. When I fall down, I get back up, and I keep moving ahead. I know who I am, and I stand in my identity. And, I, and, I, and in that, I can take authority. Well, I was thinking of Clark Kent, Superman. I'm not a big superhero comic book guy, but I know the story that he's a mild-mannered reporter. On the, on the daily, he looks like just this average guy dressed in his suit, going to work. But when there's a cry of help, something beyond human ability to solve the problem, he steps into a phone booth and he strips down to his identity, who he really is, what's really on the inside of him, the Superman. To the outer viewer, he's Clark Kent. He's a guy that shows up and is a reporter. But when a crisis hit, when a need is manifest, he steps into the phone booth to grab hold of his identity. And some of us need to step into our spiritual phone booth and strip down to the person we really are and deal with the situation at hand. Be confident in who you are. And of course, Superman saves the world, and so can you. Amen. Literally, he saves the universe. By God's grace, you can too. But, be confident in who you are to take authority. Be confident in who you are. Then, we need to be commanding, or take command, over the unclean spirit. Mark chapter 9, verse 25 through 27, in another uh, story, the Bible says, Jesus, essentially, Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command. Everybody say, I command. I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried, spirit cried out, convulsed the man greatly, and came out of him, and he became as one dead, uh, so, that, so that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. So what Jesus did, he spoke to the Spirit. See, church, we have to discern the spirits. The Bible says we need to discern the spirits, what spirit something is of. And so, is it the spirit of God? Is it my spirit? Is it a demonic spirit? And here's the point. God will give you the gift of discernment in the moment. But you got to step into your phone booth, knowing who you are, knowing that God will talk to you, and he'll give you discernment, and he'll help you. And he'll, t he'll talk to you. But when we get a sense of what we're dealing with, we speak to the spirit. We speak to the, uh, the tormentor, the aggressor, the one, who is, the one who is trying to get a hold of somebody's heart and destroy their life. 
and we command it to go. Commanding doesn't necessarily mean shouting. You don't have to shout, really, like I do up here all the time. You can literally, frankly, right there in the supermarket in your home across the street, across the fence with your neighbor or whatever, and you can just have a commanding sense and just command. Once you have a discernment of what you're dealing with, you just command that spirit to be gone in the name of Jesus. And I can't tell you the number of times in my own life that I've had to do this over my own soul and in my own house. At times in this church building, certainly maybe down the block, where you walk through and you know that you're dealing with a demonic influence, some demonic spirit trying to direct the affairs of things, and you have to put your foot down. I've had to go into certain bedrooms in my home at certain seasons of my life and cast spirits out. Take authority. Take the command. Place the order. Order the spirit, the demonic realm, to submit to the will and the purpose and the word of God. Don't allow yourself to just go on being beat up all the time and just say, well, this is just the way it is. Oh, I can't wait to get through these you know, teenage years or whatever. I mean, literally, you may have to walk through your house and take authority. Amen. Jesus did this, and you're going to have to do it. Praise God. And then the final thing I want to share with you, be confident, be commanding, be committed to the process of deliverance. The Bible said, if we, ju we just read it there just a moment ago, is that Jesus, the kid who was demon-possessed, the demon was gone, he fell, and it looked like he was dead. Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And I see in that activity the process of deliverance. That once you cast a demon out, just know that there, there's work to be done after that. There's some lifting up and some getting up that needs to take place. And we have to understand that what we're doing here in advancing the kingdom of God, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing the sick, casting out devils, what we're doing here is real stuff, and there is an ongoing work of the enemy to, to keep things down, to tamper down the will and the purpose of God. And so we have to stay committed to a process. Just because you got free or somebody in your home got free or somebody in your life got free doesn't mean it's all over for them. They're free and they're good. They may be free of that that bondage, but there also is a work of discipleship that needs to go on, go on in their life because there's inner healing that has to happen. There's mental restoration that has to happen. 
The deliverance isn't just a one and done, get the demon out and it's okay. We need to not only get free, but we need to get full of all that God has for us. In fact, Jesus taught, I'm going to close with this if you'd come, Katie. Jesus taught in another passage in Luke chapter 11. He said, if you clean your house out and you get rid of the demons, but you don't get filled up with the right stuff, the demons will come back and, it, and they'll bring seven more demons with them. In other words, the idea is it'll come back stronger than it was before. It'll have more of a grip hold on you than it did before. Because out of your desperation, God, I want to be free. Lord, I want to be free. And God's like, I want you to be free too, but I also want you to be full. I want you to get filled up with my spirit and full of my word and full of my life and full of my purpose. Because what good is it if you just get your quick fix, but you don't really get filled up with all that God wants for you? Freedom is great, but fullness is better. Amen. Let's stand together. I didn't compare notes with Katie. And all of our songs were about liberty and breakthrough and chains falling and freedom happening. I didn't compare notes with Rachel. She didn't know what I was preaching. I didn't know what she was. She didn't. She got inspired in worship by the word. I really, and, and it was about, you know, the, the demonic realm. I, I I'm just here to tell you, I think Jesus wants to set the captive free. I think the Lord's up to something good. I really do. So I'm asking the prayer folks if they would come on up here. And you guys know how we do it. I'm going to pray a prayer of dismissal. But if you need prayer on anything, about any issue, any crisis, physical, mental, emotional, something related to your job, something related to your finances, and you would like prayer, or maybe something was brought up in this message about a stronghold, or maybe the Spirit of God spoke to your heart about your own, maybe a bondage you're dealing with in your life or in your home, these folks would be more than willing to pray with you and agree with you. We, we believe in the prayer of agreement where two or three, Jesus said, do it in my name. I'm right there. Hallelujah. And so let, let Jesus work this in you. So as I'm praying, if you want prayer, you can come and stand before any of these, and I'll make myself available up here as well. And um, you can come, and then you're dismissed, though, after I say amen, okay? Father, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for everyone that's here to hear the word of God, to fellowship together, to praise your holy name. You are so worthy, God. I pray, Lord, that as we leave this place today, that we will go out in full assurance of who we are, supernatural men and women of God, and that we would take the authority, that we would live it out in our lives personally, and then relationally for others around us. Jesus, we want to be just like you in every way. We love you, Lord. We honor your holy name. Amen.